Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Off Script with Pastor Jared, riding solo today in the studio. Um, had a thought, I think yesterday, and I just thought to myself, man, that would be an interesting little podcast. Uh, not super in-depth, not something that needs to take 30, 40 minutes or anything to unpack, but uh, something that went through my mind as a, I wonder why that is, and then I thought about it, and I feel like the answer uh, came to me. So, the question is, uh, why do Muslims tend to say God is great and Christians tend to say God is good? Uh, just a simple thought that I had, and I want to explore it with you. So first, let's think about a, a pop culture phrase now that's become one of the most negative phrases, I think, in the Western world, but extremely commonplace in the Muslim world, and that is the phrase Allahu Akbar. That's right. Uh, some people say Allah Akbar. That's actually not correct. It's Allahu, um, Allahu Akbar. And uh, when you when you translate, that's a that's an Arabic phrase. That means uh, God is great, or God is the greatest. That's all it means. Uh, and obviously, let's just let's just say right off up front, what most people are thinking when they hear that is what they think of as a terroristic phrase that someone might shout right before they blow something up or um, commit some kind of uh, act of, of terrorism. Uh, that that happens. Certainly that happens and has happened. Um, I would say that's that's not how most people use the phrase. And even, even the phrase is used by Christians uh, that are Arabic speaking. So uh, the name Allah or Allah the name is is just the Arabic word for God. It's kind of like our English word, G-O-D, simply just means God, but we're not the only ones that use it. Um, those that have a different God might call their God a God, and we would give them a lowercase g, uh, but it's the same word. It's kind of the same situation. And so I, I want to just focus for a sec on the fact that most Muslims say this phrase all the time. Uh, it, it is a it is a regular phrase that they say, um, kind of like how if you've ever known a Muslim or you've seen them on on TV and they talk about Muhammad the prophet, they will often follow that with a little with a little phrase, you know, something like "peace be upon him" or something. So they do these things where they add these little phrases to their spoken um, their their life and the way that they speak, and one of those is Allahu Akbar, and that does not have to mean uh, I'm about to blow something up. It it they might say it during their prayers, uh, they might say it when they wake up, they might say it uh, in uh, before a meal, uh, they might just say it kind of how we Christians would say some kind of uh, you know hey praise God you know something. Some, praise the Lord, some kind of little outburst uh, phrase. Uh, that's how they might use the same phrase. But what's interesting is that th this really is one of the most important attributes uh, in the Muslim world to their view of God, which which they call Allah. We understand, just again, we understand these uh, their view of God not to be the same as our God. So I, I don't want you to think, um, that we believe the Christian God, the Father, is the same as the Muslim um, Allah. We we think they are not the same God. We're not worshiping the same. Uh, but I do want you to know that the word literally just means God. I just want to make sure you understand that. Uh, so 
the fact that God is great to them is like their rallying cry. It's it's one of their most important attributes of their God, the greatness of God. And and when we when when they say great, they tend to mean that sort of um, better than you, better. My God is better than your God. My God is big, strong. Uh, he is going to win. He is going to overcome the world. He is going to overtake everything. Um, conquest, submit to this God, all of those things. Um, and and I would just say, like, there are elements of that that are true of our God as well. Like, we don't want to, I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, no, that couldn't be true. Well, no, some of those things are true. Um, we do, uh, the, the true God is big and great. I mean, we, we say we say God is great as well. My point is not that that we don't say God is great. My point is that we don't say it with the frequency and passion that Muslims say it with. To them, God is great is the phrase. It's the it's the shorthand way that they like to describe the character of their God in a nutshell. God is great. That's what they that's that's rolls off their tongue. Um, and Christians believe God is great as well, but that's not the phrase typically that we say. And, and that's all I want to explore is not, I'm not trying to show you that God is not great. He is great. (laughs) We should say that too, um, to the King, right? Immortal, invisible to the only wise God. I mean, like pour on the praise for, for God and his greatness. We should, um, However, if you surveyed, if we played a little family feud and uh, we had 100 Christians from across America uh, right in front of us here and we surveyed them all, surveyed 100 contestants and asked them to fill in the phrase, God is blank, what would you say? What What my point to you would be is that most Christians are gonna fill in that blank by saying God is good. God is good. And then and then another group of Christians are going to say all the time. <laughs> and then somebody's going to say back, and all the time God is good. And uh, and that's it's part of it's more part of our vernacular to say God is good rather than God is great. Why might that be? Why might that be? Uh, because we certainly affirm God is great. Now, would Muslims affirm God is good? That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I'm equipped to fully answer that question without a little bit more guessing that I'm prepared to, to give to you. Um, but I know Christians would affirm both, but but what's going to roll off our tongue is the goodness of God. Why might that be? Well, first of all, there there's an overwhelming scriptural record uh, that points all through Old and New Testament of God's goodness to his people. And I think we're a bit more moved by that. Um, you can have, which I, which I think the Muslims have, you can have a, quote, great God who is somewhat distant from you, who is, some, who is uh, this powerful God. I believe the Muslims would say their God is all-powerful uh, and all-knowing. However, I think their view of God might be a bit more distant and a bit less personal 
than the true God, the God of the Bible. And I think that difference hones in on a deep, a deep felt um, understanding of who God is and the way that we Christians relate to our God. So first of all, um, I could give you just a sampling of, of some text in in our Bible that, that talk about the goodness of God. Uh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. That is said in so many verses, I can't even quote one to you. Um, we, we see the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever on many pages of Scripture. Um, Psalm 23 famously says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, when we think about Jesus talking to um, the rich young ruler, the Pharisees, there's that phrase that come up. Someone said, good teacher, and Jesus responded back, no one is good but God alone. So even Jesus refers to God as good. James 1.17 said, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It comes from the Father. Matthew 7.11, Jesus talking about uh, what a what a good father would do uh, says if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him the picture of a a good loving father and, and even just the concept by the way of of the of the concept of father is something that Islam would never ever ascribe to their God. Um, we call our God Father, not because we made it up one day, but because Jesus came calling God Father and instructed his disciples, when you pray, pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Um, so th- this concept that you can have a, a loving personal relationship, the same way a, a son or a daughter has with their earthly father, that you can have something akin to that with the creator of the universe, that concept has just blown the minds of Christians and thought, wow, we get to know God like that? We get to know God as Father? Wow. And I think that's another reason why this idea of a good father has has struck such a chord uh, with Christians. Psalm 27, 13, uh, David wrote, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of the great um, verses in Psalm 34, oh, taste and see, fill in the blank, ladies and gentlemen, that the Lord is good. Blessed is he who trusts in him. Give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. That's Psalm 107, 8, and 9. Um, and look, I could go on and on. I, I want to I really strike to the heart of this, of why Christians are so apt to say that God is good. And this was the thought that I had the other day when I was trying to come to the answer of why there's such a fundamental difference and why Muslims are so quick to say God is great and Christians are so quick to say God is good and how it's kind of similar but also kind of not and there's some there's some some pull and tug on why it's different. What I really think it comes down to is if you go back to the fundamental problem of mankind, 
we go back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, we reveal the cause of the first sin. And I would, I would posit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the deep root of the first sin that came into the world was because there was a question, not to the greatness of God, but to the goodness of God. All right. Genesis chapter three, allow me to read for you. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, here it is, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave some to her husband who was with her and their eyes were opened and so and so on. It goes and they plunge humanity into sin with the curse to follow. When you break down the root of what this sin was, Satan shows up in a perfect environment, um, perfect other than the fact that he's there. <laughs> he shows up to a garden made by God. Um, Adam and Eve not yet having sinned, sin not yet having entered the world, he shows up and they have one rule. Do not eat of the fruit of this one particular tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he, he casts a doubt in Eve's mind. He kind of shows up and says, man, don't you think it's, hmm, why would God keep this from you? God doesn't want you to have this fruit. God doesn't think you can handle this. God doesn't, God doesn't want you to, to be like him. God doesn't want you, man, God really must just want to keep some things from you. He must not be good. Have and Satan, it's almost like he introduces this thought that wasn't there to, to Adam and Eve in their mind, especially to Eve. He introduces this thought. It's, he comes in and says, have you ever thought about the fact that maybe just Maybe God's not good. Maybe he's keeping things from you. Maybe you could have this wonderful life, this wonderful existence if you ate this fruit. Maybe you could have it all. You could be like God. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like something Satan perhaps already said that got him in trouble? Well, that's, that's the heart of the issue. And Eve, we don't know her, her, her heart in that moment, but it seems kind of like she thought, yeah, you know, Maybe, maybe God, maybe God didn't know what he was talking about, or maybe God wanted me to, to eat this fruit anyway, or maybe God's not actually good and he doesn't know what's best for me. Whatever these thoughts were, the root is very clear that the temptation was based in the fact that God just isn't good. And I think that is the core of why it's so sweet to Christians to turn back in spite of the single sin that plunged us all into death, 
the sin that required salvation at the expense of the blood of Jesus Christ, to turn back from that and say, you know what? We are going to say God is good as a complete rejection of the effect of Satan upon our hearts and minds. We believe God is good. We believe Romans 8:28 that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We believe that. And then even as you go through life, guys, you know this, that y'all that have lived uh, even a little bit of life out there in the real world know how this is. When things get rough, when things go upside down, when things don't go according to plan, when pain comes, when suffering and tragedy hits your life, then it's easy again to question the goodness of God and say, well, do we really know God's out for my good? Do I really know God loves me? Do I really, how do I know? How do I know? And then to say, despite all of those negative feelings, to say, but I will trust in the Lord. I believe by faith that God is good. That kind of mindset that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, nevertheless, blessed be the name of the Lord who is good and whose mercy endures forever. To say that has such power, and we Christians know that the evidence of our God's love toward us, the goodness of God on display, could not be any greater than what he showed us in Jesus Christ This is another fundamental difference between Islam and Christianity. We have a God who bled for us, who came to earth in our place, who came and lived a life of suffering and hardship so that he could bear the penalty of our curse for sin in his body, take it to death on the cross, and then in greatness rise again. You see, in in God's goodness, he goes to the cross in our place, and in his greatness, he rises from the dead. Both are true, but the the idea of God's goodness does seem to latch on in the heart of Christians as if to say, we know God is many things. We know he is good. We know he is great. We know he is holy. We know he is love, just, mercy, uh, faithful, omnipotent, omnipresent, all the things we know and we believe. But the thing that strikes our hearts is to say, we believe our God is good. He's good. His mercy, his love endures forever. And I just think that that's something that's unique to Christians. And that's why when we have that statement, God is fill in the blank, our hearts are inclined to say God is good all the time. Well, I hope this has been a a challenge for you to think through, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have an awesome week. Um, If you have uh, at any time a desire to submit a topic for me to uh, discuss on the Offscript podcast, go to Offscript. kirbywoods.org slash offscript kirbywoods.org slash offscript and uh, there's a form there you can submit any topic I may be able to get to it one of these days and um, if you're in the Memphis area would love 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 to see you at at Kirby Woods Baptist Church um, Sundays 1030 a.m. and uh, man what a pleasure it is to get to hang out with you guys and, and talk about the goodness of God today have a wonderful week we'll see you again soon bye